ladies and gentlemen, this is a very important podcast today because it's a it's something that we cannot not talk about because it's every second of every day in our world. And I'm getting a lot of stuff said on my timelines and I'm getting a lot of stuff said to me. So I like to keep an open mind. I like to question things. I like to see what's up. So today I have a guy that was on my podcast before who works in the medical field. Uh, He's not only a nurse, he's a nurse in one of the biggest hospitals in Southern California. And he's a front line. So you can't say anything else more than that. I'm getting, you're getting it right here from the source. This is my first guest that I ever repeated. It's because it's the most important topic right now. Nurse Chuck. Chuck! Thank you for having me, man. Dude. Great to be back on. And in the studio. Yes. It's nice. So, Chuck. Everybody, we're going to... Everybody hollers at me because I, I had another guy on, Dean, who's also... He's a doctor. Holistic. And I kept cutting them off because I wanted him to get to the point. You and him share the same lineage where you guys like to talk loud. I mean, long. So I like to keep things focused. So that's why that happened, guys. I apologize. But you don't know the context. Dean can tell a story. He's a wonderful storyteller, but he'll tell it for nine hours. I actually, I listened to some of that podcast and I was like, I can tell there were points where you're like, yeah, you need to just get to the point. Just get to the point. That's what I try to do. So I want you, you you get a little LW, long-winded. Um, but you know, you, you get mad at me when I, when I do that, you wanted to beat me up one time. <laughs> Chuck is a master martial artist. He's a master comedian. He's a master nurse. Not quite a master, but okay. But he's very good. So anything you remember, if you don't want to say it, you, I'll cut it out, but we're going to talk in code today, guys, because you can't say certain things because you'll get banned. So that's already the first thing you have to question, right? Like if you can't say certain things. You get banned and people are deeming what's real and what isn't real and blah, blah, blah. So we're going to talk in code. I'm going to talk to Chuck and I'm going to get some information and it's up to you to believe it or not believe it. It's okay. It's okay. What are the code code words here? We talked about it in the kitchen. (laughs) Jam. Toast and jam. And toast. The toast is going to be for, you know, they got the toast, right? <laughs> and then the, and the jam is they got jammed or they double jammed <laughs> because they were feeling toasty. So they, they got the jam or, you know, they got two jams. They were worried about the toast. Yeah. So, so they got jammed up. They got double jammed. You guys follow us what we're talking about right now? Because that should tell you the first thing is we can't even say certain things because I will be, you know what? I, you can't say anything. So that's the first thing you have to question. So Chuck, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me, man. This is great. One thing that Chuck and I have been doing is he's giving, he's giving me my third IV drip this week. I do one every week and a week and a half. I go on the road. Yeah. And how, do you, how are you feeling from it? Well. This is day three. This is my third one, but you just did it to me about four hours ago. The first time I did it, I was exhausted. And I slowly came back to life. The second time when your partner did it, 
she, I had a little bit more energy. Now I was exhausted, and after 30 minutes, I came up, and boom, I haven't stopped. You were cleaning the house the, yeah. moment, the moment it was done. Yeah, so I believe that you took me that I was like negative 50, and you brought me back to like negative 5. That's how fucked up I was. You were fucked up from the travel, too, though, because you were... Probably. You had just you had just got done traveling the first time, right? Yes. My first days out. So you... But I was really sick... And every day since your shot, uh, since, oh, I got this. Every day since you gave me a jam, a vitamin, the IV drip, I felt a little bit better each day. And now I have moments. But you believe that I possibly might have had toast. Maybe. You were tested. You tested negative. I tested negative for the toast. But, you you know, you said that those tests, you actually said it was a good test because I was highly, highly symptomatic. Yeah. And at the, I, like, almost sneezed on the guy when he did it. And I told him, he's like, it's all right, man. <laughs> and it came back with an N. Hmm. So even that, we should even use code, like an N and a P. So, it, but you and Dr. Dean also thinks I had the toast. It's possible. I mean, it's going around, so... And those symptoms you had at that time were like stereotypical, like every typical of what everybody was getting at that time. And now, as well, so. so hopefully I did. And hopefully I built up those anti toasters. So first of all, regarding your work, how are you feeling? Um, it's a hard question. I mean, I'm feeling good about it. I mean, the, in terms of like the, the way things are being handled right now and the ramping up of the COVID rates. I'm a little Dude, you just concerned. said it. Toast rates. The toast rates are increasing. <laughs> yeah, man, we're getting burned. No, the hospital, It's uh, the rates are increasing. So um, I'm kind of nervous because I'm already burnt out. So When was like, the last time you were in the uh, toast ward? It's been about it's been like a week and a half now. So I've been doing the, the hydra I took this hydra hydration gig or the infusion gig to basically supplement and work less in the hospital because I'm just kind of burnt, burnt out. But let's, let's be honest. There's another reason why you took the gig. Why is that? Chuck, don't play games. It's because about the jam. About getting it? Yeah. Not wanting it. It's up to you to tell me. It's not, it's not exactly about the jam. Okay. I, I would say um, it's about the increasing um, stress that the hospital is putting on the employees, especially the unjammed ones. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's getting to the point where, you know, we need to get tested. They're requiring two tests per week. They're doing, uh, we have to wear an N95 respirator for the whole shift, which is so 12 and a half hours. Your nose, my, my nose gets messed up because I got this big ass bone right here. Um, but it gets red, you know, and yeah. starts to hurt. It gets bruised, um, and I've worn it throughout the whole time. But the op, the people that have it, that have gotten the jam, the jam, uh, do not have to get tested. They're not required to get tested, and they don't have to wear a respirator at all times. So it's kind of interesting. They're being treated. They're being treated like like royalty jam. Yeah, which is, you know, if they're trying to push for it for people to get it, then. 
it makes sense. They want to make everybody else kind of uncomfortable, but in almost like subtly though. Right. But to the inconvenience of the testing, which doesn't really make sense that the people who had gotten it do not need to get tested. It's, it's, it's mandatory for us, the people who, and you're seeing the rates go up in vaccinated or um, the people jammed, jaminated as well. Jaminated. I like that. So it's really good students that pay attention to say their prayers and turn in their homework and the delinquents. I've always been a delinquent, <laughs> but you never expect it. So how, what's percentage of the hospital? Are you allowed to say employees front lines are not taking the jam? It's like, it's less than 30%. Okay. Not taking it. But there's, you know. So like 25%. Let's say roughly. Okay. And why have you opted out at this time? So once again, it's a longer story. But originally, the reason I didn't take it originally was um, basically I I knew. I knew we were going to need a booster or an additional shot in the fall or whenever COVID hit again. Because at that toast. Whenever, yeah, but when, so when I knew, I knew toast would hit again late, either fall or late, late summer, and it was predicted, right? Um, but I knew that getting it back in January, I would, I would need a booster. Yes. I, I just, I, I was like, you know what? And the rates were dropping at the time. So the, the rates were dropping. It wasn't as prevalent in the hospital you know, less than, you know, we had, we didn't even, we had less than like 10 patients at the time. And I'm like, you know what? It's not season right now. When season hits again, maybe I'll consider at that time taking it for the first time, not for boosters. You know yes. And, and, and I can cut this out, but you, you're the one of the people that told me, you said you might want to wait because wait till the season hits where you think it would be more, you know, where there's a lot more people. Now, some people might get mad at that. No. Well, it's like, why take it when it's not in the, it's not in the, in, I'm sorry. Um, when it's not in the community, why take it? You know, that's like, but there, but people are going to say, that's why we have this now because of that. Yeah, that's definitely not true though. Because the rates were going down. Why is that not true? It's hard to answer that intelligently, but it, because before, before the, um, the jam was being given rates were already on the, the steep decline because of the jam. No, because, because at that time there weren't enough people even jaminated to prove that it's already working. You know what I'm saying? Got you. Um, but all the other, uh, things that we're doing, distancing, masking seems to have worked. And then also education on, you need to just wash your hands and like, and, um, be a little more hygienic. And I think people have kept that in mind and are maybe kind of slacking right now too. Now that things are open where you should, I'm telling you, you should see San Diego right now. It's absolutely. It's, what is San Diego like right now? Cause I know, but I want you to tell our peoples. Just imagine. Uh, I'm going to start off with the phrase. So then you can go, I know I'm cutting him off again. Cause he takes it. Yeah, there you go. It's nut to butt. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's hip. To Clint. Right? Yeah. I mean, places are there. You can no, say now. You no restrictions. Say. Not the butt. Um, that's a good way to put it. Um, I mean, everything's open. Um, and it's kind of, it's been that way for a while too. Like it's, 
but now like you you look at i mean downtown the gas lamp it's like las vegas strip even more so than that so and are people being carefree careless carefree for sure okay well (laughs) both of those things right i mean now that the you know the rates are going up i don't i haven't seen less people out i've definitely seen okay you know, it's just, it's the same. I think people are now getting their last hurrah. They're like, well, things might shut down, so we're out here. And people, it like slowed down, and then it just, it's crazy again. This last weekend was wild. So I want to stay back on a couple of things. 25% of you guys have not put jam on your toast. Would you say there is nurse, there was no nurses, any of those doctors? Um, I don't know any doctors personally that didn't get it. Got it. Now, you told me in the kitchen something eloquent. Why is it that you didn't want to get the jam? What was it that was, I don't even know what I said that was eloquent. You said because, I don't want to, you said because you wanted to wait until the data. Oh, okay. So you're just, so my, not one thing was I wanted to wait because not only to see new studies and what what things look like in the fall when it hits again um, or late summer. Where but it's hitting now. Yeah, it's hitting now, right? So um, this would be my time to be like, okay, well, maybe I should take it because it's coming back, right? But um, the studies that I'm seeing, everything seems very biased, right? And people that are shaming people for not getting it or – they're looking at these articles and the articles say they have a headline or the entire article. You can read it and it'll point towards it is, you know, whatever the data is suggesting, like, which is like, let's say pro jam, right? Um, you, w- once you look at the article, you know, you realize, or the actual journal study, it, it could be bias, but they're not going to point out those bias in the article. But if you're reading through some people that are, you know, they're not researchers or they're not used to reading research, they're not going to think like, okay, how many people were in this study? Like it could be 5,000 people. That's not very much compared to a hundred thousand. Right. And then also there are other aspects to it is, you know, what are the age groups? What are the, you know, um, comorbidities, yeah, comorbidities. Uh, there was just us. Um, I just read an article on uh in massachusetts there were um it was an outbreak of about 500 people over a month of just like a ton of partying and out- entertainment big events and stuff um which like 75 percent of them were were jaminated so so 70 i know that article it was on the cdc website you can google this yourselves it was about about 500 75 percent that got sick were jaminated. Then I think five people went to the hospital, zero deaths. Six people went to the hospital, zero deaths. Five of them were double jaminated. One had one jam. Not one person unjammed went to the hospital. I think actually I, I was just reading this. Okay, so Four had been, had gotten it, um, two, wait, I'm sorry. Yeah, so five, five went to the hospital, four, four of them had gotten it, 
one of them had not gotten gotten the uh, the jam. Okay. So still, you know, the rates are, you know, they're, but based on that study, right? So this is me looking at it like unbiased, right? So this actually would, to me, would say that it works decently well, depending on the age groups that had gotten it, right? That tested positive because if 75% had gotten it, had gotten the jam and only four of those people went, went to the hospital, that's pretty good. Based on one one study or one but, okay, out of those five hundred people, how many people didn't have the jam? Well, twenty five percent of them. So, yeah, yeah. That's did they not go to the hospital? Yeah, they didn't go. Of course, isn't that a little interesting? Yeah, but also it, see, this is um. Going back to the and why were why were out of uh, out of five hundred people, why were almost four hundred people getting the jam when they ha- getting the toast when they have the double jam? So, what they're saying with the delta, right? That the va- the jam is not quite as uh, as effective at preventing it. We're preventing not only severe disease, but contracting it um, and having symptoms. And we're seeing, you know, a lot of people who have gotten it, have gotten the jam, are having symptomatic disease. I'm really trying not to say these words, man. It's, it's not, it's not it's, easy. You're doing great. But wait a minute. What is going... People I know personally. is, And that's... that's I know seven people right now that have it. Only one of them did not have the jam. See, that's what's interesting is I do go a lot off of what I personally see. I do read things, but also it's like, how do I know so many people in my small circle that are getting it and that are symptomatic, yet the studies are saying nobody gets, you know, the it's very rare to be symptomatic while getting this disease with the jam. Exactly. So it's interesting. It is very interesting. Because we're so connected, you can't hide this anymore. It's like if somebody if somebody is saying this, it's like, okay, now like we see it with our own eyes. You know, you can do your own study if you wanted to, technically. So what you only hang you you hang with all your workers. You're feeling the pressure at work. Yeah, well, to be honest, I don't, I don't hang with a lot of, a lot of people from work. But do you guys talk that are unjammed? You know what's kind of crazy is, uh, um, not. I mean, this isn't true exactly, but a lot of the, we have like, I feel like we have groups of people that are unjammed that we. It's almost like, not that we band together, but it's like we all kind of have this ag- agreement and understanding of like we're not going to take anything. We're, we're, we 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 want to we're not going to take, take the word that somebody tells us, Hey, this, this works or, um, the fact that we're, we're skeptical or it, it creates a divide in a way. Like I've heard nurses that are straight up like bullied on the unit. I mean, they, I don't think they would bully me for something, Mm -hmm. but nurses that are unjammed that they're like, Oh yeah, they're an anti this, you know, 
Yeah. And that's anti-jam. Yeah. Anti-jam. But that's not cool when, um, you know, it is a form of bullying. You see it in nursing a lot. I, maybe when I was a brand new nurse, I got it a little bit, but dude, it happens among the the females for sure. But that's, uh, I've, I've heard that from a couple people already. So what is the hospital like right now? The hospital, I mean, where I work, it's not, um, I mean, it's, it's busy, but it, it's just very, uh, there's, I feel like there's a sense of just, uh, dude, it's weird, man. It's like a, a tension, but people were losing nurses, good nurses, um, because they just seem to be done with working in the hospital. You know, mm-hmm. they're taking clinic jobs or they're retiring early or, um, myself, you know, I'm choosing, I have the, I'm luckily I have the option, but I'm working less. So you have a lot of burnt out nurses that are kind of just tired of, you know, just in general where we deal with not only the stress of taking care of these people and all, not just the, you know, the pandemic, but all, you know, always, we've always, I can't even drink my water at the nurse's station. Even if it's capped, I can't even drink a coffee. Our management comes up and says, Hey, you got to put it in the back. And we have to, I mean, I, Why? it's a, it's a uh, cleanliness like thing. And this was even before the pandemic. Um, but what happens is now I don't drink water for 12 and a half hours. And um, what? Don't you get a break? We get breaks. We get lunch. And luckily in California, we, 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 we are treated pretty well here. So we get the guaranteed two breaks. If we for sure get the lunch. Uh, sometimes I can't take my 15 minute breaks. We we basically get two 15 minutes and then a one hour or 45 minute lunch in 12 and a half hours. But, but you can get a water within 12 and a half hours, Chuck. Um, when you're really busy, you just don't think to, if it's not here, it's out of sight, out of mind. In fact, oh, so you know you're, you're, you're saying is cause you're so busy. I apologize that you can't no. even reach for it. But I would think at the <laughs> nurses station, you'd be able to have a second. They, have a they, sip. They had to come up with a whole policy. This took maybe even close to a year to get something approved so we can put it in this drawer. If there's one drawer on the nurses at the nurses station now, oh and you put it in a little like in a little thing, and you have to put it in that drawer. No, yeah. and, no. There was a policy. No, yeah. and it took a year to go put the water in the drawer. Yes. Because these guys need to be hydrated as they're working on the fucking Dude, jam unit. It's it's not good, Dude. Yeah. Who made that fucking thing, Bill from accounting? That sounds terrible. Yeah. God, that is middle management hell. It's yeah. It's, we have like five managers in my unit. Dude, that's dumb. Yeah, no doubt. They're yeah. so dumb. Yeah, you just put it in the drawer, but it's like, oh well, if the governing bodies come through, they're gonna tell us something. But it's like, you know. We just need to drink water, you know, and like it's um, to me, I think we're all we've all went to college. We're all we're intelligent enough to say, OK, I'm not going to go touch a patient or touch the computer, wipe the rim of my glass and then drink it or, you know, lick our palm. You know, we're going to wash our hands, keep our, our drink covered or at least. You know, we're not going to have it next to the patient kind of thing because that I wouldn't agree with. If you're going to be drinking coffee like good morning, Mr. Smith, like right next to him and he's coughing all over you, that's not good. But like having it in the nurse station. Is Dude, thing. you wash your hands all the time when you come over here. I know. I watch, you, you watch to. it and you wash them like a nurse. So I would think everyone has your policy. I don't think there's any scummy nurses. No, we're pretty clean. Okay, so on the jam unit, 
on the on the toast unit, how full is it? I we've been busy throughout the whole time. I honestly I don't know our vacancy right now, but I know there's we have roughly thirty patients in the whole hospital. We have I want to say like less around ten ICU somewhere in there. How many beds are in there? We have like we have about twenty eight beds. Is ICU only for the Toast is it a separate ICU or is their own ICU, is ICU mixed with everyone? It's a it's a mix. Um, the unit I'm on is a surgical oncology transplant, so we do. How can they put toast people in there because they could spread it? Yeah, that's what's kind of especially if you just come out of fucking surgery yeah. for something else. That'd for be like terrible, a li- like a liver transplant. Yeah, right? COVID patient. That's yeah. like the worst fucking thing you could do. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we what the fuck we we keep them to one side of the unit, but during. When it, we were at the height of it and the unit was full, um, completely full, we would send them to the neuro ICU and then we would float our nurses over there so to take those patients. But you're telling me right now, I won't say the city you're in unless you want me to. I already said it. So in San Diego where you work, mm-hmm. you're telling me that 10 out of 28, so you're at about 38% people in the ICU with toast as you speak. Yeah. So um, at this moment right now, I don't go back till Friday, but at this moment right now, that's, I would say a rough estimate of where we're at. We are actually one of the hospitals that is, it's a little less uh, busy when it comes to getting um, toast patients because um, we take a lot of specialized patients. So we take like the sickest of the sick uh, toast people from, you know, we, we fly them in. We you get super toasters. In. Yeah. They, uh, but they're, you know, these patients are on heavy machines. They're on ECMO, like lung bypass machines that uh, oxygenate their blood and give it back to them. Um, so you're the most severe. They're very sick. Yeah. So, I mean, other hospitals are also getting them, but I feel um, what I, what I noticed is we get transfers from other facilities that are very sick. Um, and then there's places other places in San Diego that are getting um, people walk-ins of just many, many patients from the community, but we get a lot more transfers. So you know that you hear in the news that the, everything's overflowing and you're saying that's not happening to you. Some hospitals are experiencing places in San Diego. Well, no, in America. Yeah. It it depends. I mean, dude, in the world, um, I read something about Louisiana and they're saying how bad their, uh, their rates are and the hospitals are right now. They're overran. Well, they're understaffed. They said they're like, there's 6,000 nursing openings in the entire state. So when 6, they 000. say there's, that's insane. It's a lot. So hold on. So when you're saying in Louisiana, there ha- there's hospitals are being overrun. You're breaking it down and telling me that it's what? I'm not sure what your question is exactly. Well, when I hear hospitals are overrun, I just bodies are being thrown at them. Yeah, I mean, they're... Is that they what have, you're saying is happening? Or you're saying maybe they are, but not as much because there's no one to take them? I think that's part of it, the understaffed. But a lot of times hospitals that are even understaffed, and this sucks, and this is why I do love California and I love working here. Some places, they will just give you people no matter what, if you can take care of them or not. And it's, uh, it's unfortunate because the patient care declines 
as you get more, because now you have more work, less people and people that people start flying on their own. And hopefully they do, you know, for, you know, as long as, because if somebody's super sick, but you have three others that you just hope are end up okay right now, because you're focusing on that person. And I'm talking specifically more like the ICU, but you see, um, less staffing issues in California, but what it, what they were saying was they're not bringing in as many travel nurses to these states like Louisiana. And a lot of these hospitals are probably broke too. And travel nurses are expensive. So, um, if they don't start, if they don't bring in the staff early, the, it takes to onboard a nurse. I mean, you're looking at probably six, I don't know, six weeks, you know, a couple, maybe a couple months to get, to get like your staffing back where you want it. To onboard means to learn the system of that hospital. Yeah, because once they start, usually it only takes a couple days, but let's say a week. So you get, you, you have to obviously bring in good nurses. So you're interviewing them. It's like weeks process. Then you, so, I mean, you could probably bring in nurses within four weeks, but is it going to fix your staffing issues? I'm not sure, but it's definitely going to break these uh, hospitals bank in some ways because they're expensive. But a lot of people, I, I think a lot of it is due to people quitting and finding other avenues like the the fact that I mean I, I've been in it for almost 10 years now and I know a lot of nurses that quit at six years like they're just done with the ICU so that is where you a lot of times these you know these nurses are a lot of these nurses are burnt out and they're just leaving you know I I, I know many personally on my specific so, unit that are great nurses that are leaving okay or so have left but I want to stay jam focused mm-hmm. so about 25% of you aren't taking it as of now. You've also said you're not opposed to it at some point. But right now, you told me until you said the data was really, really flawless. Yeah, I, I want to see. you don't, So you don't think the data. Undeniable the, data. So right now, you don't think it is for the jam. I don't think it is. I don't. What, think- what is the problem that you have with the data? Of the jam. I just think it's very biased, you know. I and think get into, tell me details about that. So a lot of these studies that I'm seeing, I just don't think they're a large enough sample size in some ways. And, um, you know, they're, you're seeing studies with 10,000 people, 5,000 people. Like I want to see the 100,000, the, you know, 500,000 people in a study. And we're still talking about the original, you know, COVID, the, uh, the Pfizer trials, you know. And that was 30,000 people. That was, a, that was a while back, right? But we're still talking about this 95% effectiveness. And those rates, I, I knew, this is the other thing. I knew they were going to go down. And I think we all knew, right? It's like, of course they were going to go down. What were they but supposed the, to be? The effectiveness is, well, they said 95%, right? And what is it? It's dropping. They're saying, the, they're saying that the preventing severe disease is still sitting in the 90, like 90%, but the preventing symptomatic um, symptomatic, uh, disease that has dropped in, in Israel on a, in an Israeli study has dropped to in the sixties now. So it's like 63 or 67% wow. off a new study. So what that means to me is that, you know, people are getting it and they're probably spreading it despite, I mean, they definitely are despite getting, getting the jam or not. Are you surprised that so many people that got the jam are getting the toast? When no, they... I'm not actually. I I, but, I I never thought that it was going to be like this, like silver bullet, you know. But so everybody I know that has it, only one of them 
didn't get the jam, but they all have the toast. And I know a guy right now that's sitting in a hotel room. No, they got the jam, but they have the toast. Yes. Yeah. And he was flying everywhere, healthy as can be, super uh, professional, went in, got jammed up. Now, he was a little too carefree, I believe. His state is Florida. He was a little too confident, probably. And... He was just hanging out with people without a mask. But now, after two times, he's toasted up in quarantine. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing it a lot. I mean, like I said, I know nurses personally that are, you know, fully, fully jammed up and they have symptomatic or moderately, even like they're having moderate symptoms where, you know, they're, they're, and they're maybe not bedridden completely, but maybe for a few days. And that to me, like you said, a lot of these people uh, before were like, yeah, I'd be intubated and you know have a breathing tube and be in the hospital if I didn't get it. I don't know if that's so true, you know? What do you say to people that say that? Because that's what people are saying now. So before it's like, this is, tell me if I'm crazy. Sometimes and then I, I got to ask you about the, I got to ask you about how the nurses feel about that. So remember that question. Mm-hmm. Remember what we just said. Let me ask you that question first. What, how do those nurses feel that got the jam that now are toasted up. Um, my thought, I, I don't know exactly. Some seem like frustrated. Some, some seem to be a lot of them. One friend of mine is just like, yeah, I'd be in the hospital if I didn't get it. Um, I think people want to believe that they made the right decision no matter what. Right. So, and that's anything, anything that you do, it's like, nobody wants to admit that maybe that it wasn't that effective and they just did this and they believed Because if you think of like when people are getting this thing, they're like praising the Lord, right? Like, absolutely. This is the answer to all my prayers. That's what they're doing. Like when Biden won, (laughs) he thought it was just like the the newest, freshest, greatest change. And we know where we're at now. Well, we, we have a 78 year old man. Who possibly shards himself. <laughs> yeah. Um, Go ahead. Possibly. Exactly. Uh, so, <laughs> so I, we, we basically have a, you have some people that you, you think are possibly frustrated, but this thing of people going, well, look, I wasn't sick, but you know, I got the jam and I never had the toast, but now I got the toast. But thank God I got the jam because if I didn't get the jam, I would be cooked in the (laughs) fucking toaster oven. And that's where I'm going. How do you know? Right? You don't know. That's the thing. But you're hearing this a lot, right? Oh yeah. All the time. But that's where, that's where I'm getting confused. Because they want to be proud of it and happy that it, cause if, if I know why they're I, doing that, but you personally believe you, you, when people say that you push back to me going, I don't know if you would be like that. No, I really don't. To me, I think that, I mean, you can never prove it. Maybe no, some of these people can't. would be right. But what we're seeing, even in the people that have gotten it or have not gotten it, there's, 
they still seem to be the same similar population of people that have comorbidities or are very obese or they have diabetes and they end up with or without the jam in, in the ICU. Um, occasionally we, st- honestly, I've yet to see just a, in a healthy individual without comorbidities or have heard of one from friends, you know? So but they, you hear about it in the news. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe it's happening. But it's it's the more I start asking the questions, um, people get they they almost they'll be like, yeah, we have these, you know, we have a bunch of thirty year olds that are, um, you know, they're unjammed in 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 the ICU, a bunch of sick ones, they're gonna die, and I'm like, really? So I start asking more questions, and hopefully almost, they won't. But they'll they'll promote like they'll they'll say it's because of the people who aren't getting it, but it's like. Still, maybe it would help some of those people, you know, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, I I would hope it would, but the problem is we're still seeing these people that I thought personally, I had hope for the people, some of the people that are still dying from it. I had hope that it would help those people. The jam would help those people because people with autoimmune disorders, people that are diabetic, people that are over obese that were dying without it are still, some of them are dying with it. And it's like, maybe we're decreasing those numbers, but it still seems to be happening, you know, quite, quite regardless, often. regardless, you know, and, and you're seeing it in a lot of, a lot of these articles, a lot of the studies that people that are comor have comorbidities continue to be very sick. Explain what an example of a comorbidity is. A comorbidity is basically you have like, let's say one primary disease and a lot of, a lot of it's let, let's just say diabetes, right? So let's say somebody starts with diabetes and then now they have heart disease and a lot of it is due, a lot of it is due to, um, the diet being diabetic and kind of stems off of these causes these other kidney disease now, right? And the diabetes and heart disease has, have made your kidneys now start to fail. So like they have all these different diseases that they're com- comorbid. Yeah, no, so, I know it. But explain yes. 10, five comorbidities. I, I think I can do it for you. Cause I think you told me before diabetes, asthma, um, obesity, mm-hmm. specific heart conditions or any heart conditions. It could be specific, you know, heart failure. Cause I have like an arrhythmia issue, but it's my heart is my heart. So, so I don't know. Um, you don't have, you don't have high blood pressure. I do not have high blood pressure. We checked that. So, uh, autoimmune, which is, you have, those are so, there's so many vast ones. So you'd have to understand what it is. Obviously anybody who's, I would say, let's say HIV positive. Yeah. Or just anybody who's immunosuppressed or taking well, immunosuppressants. So like, even like I was talking about liver, liver transplants. So okay. like, or anybody that gets a transplant, you're taking pills that are suppressing your immune system because you don't want your own body to reject that organ. Oh, okay. This is good. So these, these patients that are taking these drugs to suppress their immune system. Um, so it's not either attacking the organ or attacking something in their body. They're at risk for so, any disease. For, so uh, let's break this down again because that's so good that you just broke it down so simply. So if you have diabetes, which diabetes is what? Explain what that disease is. You're basically either not making enough insulin or it, which insulin brings, you know, levels your blood sugar or 
you're not making any at all. So there's type one, type two diabetes and type one you're usually born with, which you basically your blood sugars are out of control. And what happens and, when then? Um, so if you're a type one, which means you're not making any insulin at all, you need to go on, you need insulin. Injections. What happens if you don't get insulin? What happens? Um, you can go into, there's something called diabetic ketoacidosis, which is a, um, your body goes almost into like a shock where your sugars are like your normal blood sugar, let's say is like 80 to 120. And it's like in like the six hundreds to thousands. So you can die. And yeah, your body. What is it? What does blood sugar do? Um, what does blood sugar do? What do you mean? See, I'm going to in trouble for cutting you off. No, you're fine. But I just wanted to get to the point. Diabetes affects your blood sugar. Yes. If you, Which in turn could have, like, it starts to cause problems with your blood vessels. So your blood vessels will start hardening. You can get, like, peripheral artery disease, as you'll see that a lot. Um, a lot so of we these, need blood sugar. You, your blood sugar. you want your blood sugar to be nice and normal, nice and even. Okay. So let me just keep McDonald's it. McDonald's doesn't help with that. So people that have diabetes... How do you know if you have diabetes? Um, like a fasting blood sugar. So like when you get your labs drawn, you know, if it's high and you know, how you don't a fasting meaning like you're, you haven't eaten for like 12 hours or six hours before the blood test. Yeah. And if your sugar is still elevated, most likely you're, you could be a diabetic, which then you'll do another test. Uh, like hemoglobin, hemoglobin A1C is a test that they do that kind of averages your blood sugar over three months. Um, and it show if it's high, then that means you've been averaging obviously a higher blood uh, sugar for that period and they can diagnose you from there. Okay. Let's just go back. Got it. So core comorbidities would be in the examples would be diabetes, asthma, obesity, Heart potential that's very weak or failing. Renal issues, which is the kidney, correct? Mm -hmm. And don't worry about it, Chuck. And a lung problem that you could probably have maybe being a smoker. Um, yeah. I mean, if you're smoking, you probably have, I mean, you're at risk for all these heart disease as well. High blood pressure. And immunosuppressed, which is seven, which is, which I thought that just is something that you are, but you're saying that people might have autoimmune problems or there might, there are people that are immunosuppressed, meaning they take these pills to suppress their immune system. So it doesn't react so they can then keep an organ or something like that. Yeah. So from little to big, the last one is super severe. Obesity. You missed that one. Which is I huge. said that. Oh, you did? Right. Obesity is big. So, if you don't have any of those seven things, you're saying you've yet to see anybody that doesn't have something like that. So, my personal experience. Your personal my experience. My personal experience. Exactly. The, most, the healthiest person that I've seen... Um, I'll give two examples. One was she in this is to call her healthy. She was in her young thirties, right? I want to say maybe she was 30. Um, and she had pre, she was pre-diabetic based on the labs when she came in. Um, she was never diagnosed with that and she was obese. 
but she was young. How obese? She was she was big. I can't say I, I'm not sure her BMI, but it was like was she body. like 300 pounds and she, short? She yeah, she was shorter and she was close to 300. I would say yeah. So like but, five seven and 300. Um, I, mean, I can't remember. But she yeah. was big. She was a big girl. Yeah. Okay. So she ended up passing away, um, and that was like wow. Okay, she was young, and it's sad because you know, she had kids and all this stuff. Uh, the other one, and she ended up surviving, which she was no comorbidities at all. Um, and she was, I want to say like 76 years old, older lady, but like her, you could not tell her that she wasn't going to do something. Like she was going to be like, I'm, she was like up out of bed. She was like doing, she was just very like self-driven. Like she was she wanted, she was like, I'm getting better. I'm getting out of here. And there was like, and you don't see that attitude in all people. It's pretty amazing when you do see it. Um, and she did, she got out of there. And that was someone that, that was like one of the healthier, like people that I've seen and then end up doing very well from it in the ICU. But she ended she never got a breathing tube. She never, um, she was just kind of like, it's not, I'm not getting it kind of thing. So 76 year old woman who didn't have any comorbidities, mm. who went to the ICU. Why did you put her in the ICU if she wasn't on a breathing she, tube? She was on high flow uh, nasal cannula, which is basically, you could, it's a it's a device that can go in your nose, it can be like a mask, and it just provides 100, you can put up to 100% oxygen, and then you can bring the flow. So like on the wall, like when you see like the oxygen on the wall, you can only put it up to 15 liters, right? On this thing, you can put it up to like 80 liters through the thing. So like it's very high pressure, high flow oxygen in the nose. And she was requiring that to like maintain a good oxygen saturation. Um, but she, within a week, had gotten off of it and then was, you know, out. But, um, you know, there was, I mean, we had another young girl. I want to say she was, she was in her 20s. Um, you know, it's like some of these, but a lot of these people have comorbidities is what I'm saying. So like, um, that one wasn't, I wasn't surprised put it that way. I wasn't like, so the two young, the, the older woman didn't have any and she had a good attitude. She only required oxygen. The younger woman who was obese and I'm sorry, I wasn't trying to be insensitive to people that are listening, but I was trying to get a picture of her. So for the viewer, so it's like obese. So like, what is obese? If you're short and 300 pounds, it's very, that's unhealthy. You know, I'm, I'm very well, sorry for her. I think we, the problem is right. And so, so we're sensitive. So we can't, it's, we just can't call the things out like that. It's like, I know to be honest, like I wish I, I could, you know, but it's like, we're not telling these people that, no, you need to, you need to change your diet. You need to do things like, not that they need to do something like an IV drip, but are they caring about getting their vitamins and minerals? Are they doing that? You know, like we should be keeping that in mind a hundred percent of the time. Like I, I wake up in the morning, I'm drinking some green juice. I'm trying to, I'm really bad at taking in what I need, but I will supplement to get there and get the vitamins and minerals that I, I can. Yes. So people need to be doing that and then stop eating McDonald's, stop eating, you know, but what did Mickey D's give like a, an incentive or something like a free Whopper exactly. or a Big Mac. Or it should have been a juice place. So that's exactly <laughs> yeah. right. Exactly right. That's the last person that should be getting an incentive. And the last thing that you should be getting an incentive from. And the medical profession shouldn't be taking it from them. 
My question to you is, so the obese uh, woman, I'm very sorry, she passed away. She Did she go on an event? Mm-hmm. Okay. She was, yeah. Whew, that's intense. And then the other person who was young, did she pass away? Mm-hmm. Eventually. And so, how many comorbidities did she have? Um, she was immunosuppressed. So, but this is, this is, um, this, I, uh, I don't know. I might get shot for this, but basically, I mean, early on, this is the interesting thing. And, uh, I, I look at, like, I think of this young, you know, this long, you know, the 30 year old obese, right. We were treating COVID differently at that time. That was at the beginning, you know, the, um, uh, sorry for saying that word, the C word, but we were treating it differently. So we were intubating early. So it was like, if they, if they looked like they had it, even sometimes people that weren't even confirmed positive yet, we were putting tubes in because they were showing symptoms of COVID, but they're, they're, they were most likely COVID, right? We were like, not, not that we were just putting them in with somebody that is breathing fine. Like they would be struggling to breathe. Right. Um, but there's a lot of stories that in New York where people, it was like they were having a panic attack, panic attack and still putting tubes in. But we were so scared of what the disease, maybe you can't say it's our fault, but we were so scared about what the disease was that we were putting tubes in early so we can plan the intubation. So it wasn't like an emergent situation where you're like trying to run in there with supplies and you forget to put your mask on or you forget to put your mask Now everybody's exposed. Yeah, there's a word for that. What's that? I, you know what the word is. I mean, dude, that's... It's but, not your fault, but that's overreacting craziness. Well, it, it was the guidance that came out. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Those managers, that the same people that make the fucking drawer mandate are telling you guys what to do. But even bigger than that, you know, we're talking like what the go- like government... Exactly. Bodies. That's what and, I'm saying. And these, these doctors, you know, are li- like... We have great doctors to right? put them but, on a fucking breathing but, machine that early. You, I, I can give one example, and this is this is kind of, I can only say at one patient that I can say for sure um, that I advocated for, or I, I really was like, all right, this guy does not need a tube, right? And I spent time with him. I had a him. It was it was my only patient that night. And what's nice about having a one to one, you know, or have so it's one nurse to one patient ratio is you can focus on that person, right, and really help them. So I go in there. And they're like, this guy's going to get a tube tonight, right? That was like what the doctor said at the beginning, plus the nurse that I had gotten report from. So I go in the room and I go, you know, hey, what's up? Like, what's going on? How are you doing? We start talking. We get comfortable. I build a rapport. And I'm like, hey, take this machine, which is just a simple piece of, it's called an incentive spirometer. It's you take deep breaths. It, it forces ball. you to take something. Yeah, it's like yeah. a ball, but you take deep breaths and you can measure your lung volumes with it. But it's, a, it's an exercise, you know, for your lungs. So the, what I see is like, okay, not only does it force you to take a deep breath, but it forces you to slow your breathing down and you start to take a deep breath. If you have anxiety, it helps, right? So I can tell this guy is anxious because everybody's telling him you're going to get a breathing tube. Everybody's telling him this. And he's just like breathing 40 times a minute. He looks, his saturation's good though. It's like 95%, but he's on 15 liters uh, face mask uh, or non-rebreather. And I talked to him, I'm like, hey, like, do these exercises a couple times per hour. I was like, slow your breathing down, relax. I, t- I get out of the room. His sats looked fine. It's been about three hours now that he looked exactly the same. I, like, I'm watching this guy, right? Like, I, I didn't, I'm, I'd spent probably almost two hours in the room with him. 
So I get out of the room. I'm hanging around, still watching him. Doctors come by. Hey, like we're going to talk to him. We're, we're probably going to put a breathing tube in. And I was like, I was like, really? And a lot of these doctors were uh, like pretty new attendings. So like they weren't like uh, attending doctors for years. These were like fresh from fellowship, brand new doctors, right? Um, not, not to take away from them, but they, um, I can't say, I don't know if their decision-making was the best. They're just kind of listening to this guidance, right? Either way, I, I tell this doctor, I go, honestly, I think we should wait to put the breathing tube in. Like he looks pretty good. He doesn't want the tube. I asked him specifically and he goes i don't know i think we want to like we want to put this tube in and i go let's let's try not to so this other doctor goes in the room and tries to convince him for about 30 minutes to take a breathing tube he says no so i'm like thank god he said no i said i'm gonna be right here watching him i'll go in there work with him i'll make if anything changes even the slightest bit i will call you and we can put a tube in but the guy he goes i was like let's just wait and he, he gets frustrated and he goes, we're going to intubate him. And he just walks away. And when he said that, I was like, okay, like that dude's a dick, like whatever. The but, doctor said that. Yeah. And he walked away frustrated because I did say something kind of rude, but he what also- What did you say? Well, basically he goes, we want to prevent any, he's like, we want to prevent harm for, to this patient. That's why they want to put the tube in. Even well, though the harm wasn't there yet. The harm wasn't there. They're, they're. Technically, if you're taking large lung volumes and breathing a lot per minute, like your tidal volumes are huge, you can kind of damage your lungs over time. You know, there could be long-term But they're seeing that. that there's something there, but it wasn't official yet. No, no. He, he, looked, he looked okay, right? Okay. Um, by the time, so he goes, we want to prevent harm. And I go, what do you consider harm? And he goes, mm. he gets very frustrated with that. And then I go, do you consider putting a breathing tube? in somebody and proning them, sedating them and chemically paralyzing them harm. And he just goes, we're going to intubate him and walks away. He was pissed because I, I don't know if he thought I was right or he just didn't want to admit that maybe some doctors just don't want to listen to nurses. They don't think they know shit. They just don't. They, and he was frustrated. Fast forward later in the night. I so this guy looks good, right? He's still looking about the same, but now his breathing is kind of, he's now breathing in the 30s. He's sleeping now. So he was breathing 40 times a minute. Now he's in the 30s. Now he's in the upper 20s. I'm like, okay, he's looking pretty comfortable. This other, the, the other doctor comes back, the one that had convinced him, but she was kind of like somewhat siding with me on this. Even though she was trying to convince, convince him to get the tube, she goes, she's like, yeah, maybe, maybe you were right. And I go, um, I'm like, yeah, he looks pretty good, right? And I'm like trying to like support her at the same time because I'm like, you know, I understand like what you're trying to do. You're trying to help these people, but it it isn't always helpful to just jump to conclusions, right? Like you want to, I wanted, I personally was like, hey, I'm right here and I've been a nurse for a while. So I can watch somebody and I can see subtle changes. Let's make this very long story short. No, this uh, is fascinating. Four days later, Actually, I'm sorry. Next day, he gets discharged from the ICU, goes to the floor. Three days later after that, he goes home. I don't know where he is now, but he was discharged four days later. This doctor, the one that tried to convince him of the intubation, not the one that was a dick, the other one that was, she was actually a fellow, comes back up to me days later, She and she told me the information. She's like, hey, I just want to tell you, like, you saved that guy. Like, he got, he went home. And that... To me, um, 
it was kind of scary because I think about, okay, how many people does that apply to across the board that couldn't either that didn't have somebody that say, Hey, let's not do this. You know, let's not, let's just wait a little bit or, you know, cause you, you got to consider all these things, right? I had him as one patient. He's my one patient, one-to-one. You don't get that care often. A lot of times this nurse may have five patients. So there's no time to like really sit back and be like, Hmm, can we, can we make a different decision? Can we wait a little bit? And that's, that stuck with me. It's still, I mean, it still sticks with me to this day. And we, we treat these patients a lot different now, but I'm just kind of like how many people could have done better, you know, with different decision-making, better staffing. It's, it's a lot, there's a lot. So. Dude, that is intense, but that's fucking beautiful. Like, first of all, it's like my mother when she was dying, you know, and I still think she died early because, so all that long story, but she was, you know, almost 90, but she had advocates. I would see this stuff. She would go to the hospital and the hospital was like, we can't do anything for her. She's old. So then they put her in another center. It's some kind of like center where you put older people that are, it's like a hospital, but less intense. And if she didn't have all of her children, my sister said, my, my, she has advocates. You were advocating for this guy. Mm-hmm. If she did not have us advocating, my mother would have been chucked and trucked out i mean there was like i caught him doing so many weird stuff i'm like don't put her in there they were weighing her like a chicken and it was just too much for a person that was old so but thank god she each kid watched her you know well you got to remember this too this is very this is what you did you were like that guy's angel dude you saved that guy now think about that that's an amazing story it's i and think about it during this time we all need that to well, take a step back and be clear-headed. Yeah. Well, one sad thing about this whole thing, uh, it's kind of changed. It's changed for a little bit the better now, but people didn't have families in there oh, because we didn't allow it. We didn't allow people to come in. So we really, if your nurse wasn't advocating or your doctor wasn't advocating for you, you had nobody to advocate for you. Like there was nobody. What happened to the doctor? Did you ever see him again? I never saw that guy. Well, I've, I've, I saw him. I didn't like conversate with him like that, but How I think he kind of st- probably stayed away from me and I I didn't want to talk to him. It was just that interaction was, I didn't appreciate it. You know, a lot of doctors are socially inept. They're just brains to find a good bedside manner is rare. Don't there, you agree with that? It's rare. It, it's sometimes rare, but it's more they need they need time. So newer doctors, I would say, rarely do they have good bedside manner. Um, but you see a lot of guys like if doctors have been in the game for a while, like they usually eventually get good if you know if they're making an effort. But that's a lot of personality too. You know, that's like you either have it or you don't. You know, dude, I gotta tell you, it's just certain hospitals like you know Cedars. You know, it's it's I just love that hospital. And maybe, you know, I'm, you know, I'm lucky and whatever. And I've been very fortunate in my life, but there's not one person in the hospital with bad bedside manner mm. and they make you feel so comfortable there. They're, they're incredible. I, w- I went in there with multiple things one time and it, they were like, this is this, this is this, chill out. And they're, yeah. they're really good at it. And they answer every question, their patients. So that's just very rare. 
I, yeah. county I've had some good times in county hospitals, but you could people are overstressed. They they're not empathetic because they're looking at the numbers and oh, it's so well. Intense. You got places like Cedars or you know they're probably well staffed. Incredible, you know, they are. Like I know I know that hospital, but like they're well staffed. They're well paid. Yeah, they're still getting paid. They're happy. Yes, and then it starts from the top, dude. A lot of these places, you know, like. I used to work at Northwestern in Chicago and it was like, when you go to this, the orientation, they're like, we are Northwestern. Like they're very like, believe, believe in us. We are, we're number one. Like they're like very proud of it, but they're like, you are too. And then they tell like, it's kind of like cheesy, but it's like, be proud of being here. And they teach from the top or from the start. Like somebody asks where, Hey, where's the cafeteria? Maybe walk them there. Mm -hmm. If you can walk them. And it's like, but you realize, okay, that's not really that hard of a gesture, you know, and these people are taught and they're trained to be that way. So, um, and there's been changes in, in the last, um, like even during my time of being a nurse, probably in the last like five, six years that places are trending towards just like patient satisfaction big time. And you get those, those, have you gotten something in the mail? It's like, Hey, rate your hospital or your, your, uh, I get services. it from Cedars. Yeah. But that's like, a, I'm lucky. It's a really so, beautiful hospital. But yeah, I mean, you get these, uh, like hospitals have like, um, what is it called? Like, um, almost like staff encouragement teams or like, you know, uh, like onboarding teams or like, you know, hiring teams that they, their goal is like to make you love working there, at least at the start, you know, they want to make orientation fun. They want to make you believe in the hospital. Um, a lot of these small County hospitals they are like, we don't have money for these people to smile at you, you know? But yeah, that's got to be, and that's what's so intense for people that, you know, they're not getting the proper health care doing this. You have no idea. I've, yeah. We'll say it. Uh, there's not a lot to say. I've just seen, well, I've, I've seen a lot of bad hospitals in my time for sure. I mean, I've worked at about, fuck, I mean, 10, 11, 11 places now, I want to say. And what's a bad experience? Tell me one. <laughs> um, there's a lot. One specific. Um, I mean, being at a hospital and nurses are just like on their Bluetooth headsets, admitting patients like brand new to the unit. And they're like, Oh, hold on. Let me take this call. Beep. And then they're like, Oh, what's up? How's it going? And then they're talking on the phone and the patient's just like, what the fuck's happening right now? And I've seen that. And then I'll come in. I'm like, Hey, do you want, want some help? And they're like, no, no, I'm good. And then I'm like, all right, well, I guess you are. So they're doing a personal call or just, yeah, personal calls and then ignoring ventilator alarms and shit. And this is like a while back. Like, um, and to me, I'm, I am, I will say I, I've always been trained really well from, from school. Who trained, what um, school? Uh, Purdue University Northwest. Okay. So, but they, uh, so Purdue is like very well known for nursing. They, they pump out really good nurses and our clinicals are good. Every, I, and their teachers, everything. But my first job, we had a whole year, um, program for brand new, for new grads. And I had 20, 30 year, 40 year nurses teaching me. Now you have like TikTok nurses teaching other TikTok nurses. It's not, it's kind of scary. Now you know? what's a TikTok nurse? Um, I just said that term right now, but it's like, they're like wearing like, you know, they look hot, they're young and they're not the best nurses and they're making like dance videos on the units and stuff. I, mean, I saw like, that. Is that really happen a lot? I mean... I don't know how I do see people taking pictures and, and videos sometimes. I mean, you see it. That's the problem. It's like, and those are the people that are probably like promoting the vaccine. And it's like, you're doing a dance video on the unit. Like you're not, you're not that busy. 
But uh, and they're promoting the jam. Well, they're pr- promoting everything, and it's like, um, I don't know. I I said TikTok nurses. I'm not sure, but I know what but, you mean by that. Yeah, it's just young. Well, let's just say younger nurses. All those the nurses that were like straight up like, and I I kind of like the bullying because I grew up I grew up in Indiana where it's like you're a little and probably East Coast for you like they're a little harder. You know, it's like if you do something wrong, they're gonna call you out immediately. That's how those nurses were, dude. They were rough. They were, uh, you know, they didn't wear gloves sometimes. Like, they were just, like, in it and ready to teach and were happy to, like, get dirty with you. Now it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, go do that. And then these nurses are teaching. Some uh, some are good, but it's like you have these very young nurses. They're on their phones. They're supposed to be teaching or helping these nurses, and they're just like, yeah, yeah, you got it. And, not, and I wouldn't say it's happening all the time, but I do see it more. It's like these... I I personally think the nursing care um, is probably going to get a lot like a lot worse in the next couple of years. Okay. Unfortunately, that's I don't know. I got went on a rant there. You're good. But well, wait a minute. Hole. I think this is amazing, and I think this is really good. Do you have anything else you want to say before we wrap it up? No. We is didn't there any other about you, man? No, forget about me. This was a specific <laughs> pod. Because yeah. you said you had a lot to tell me. Did you tell me all the good nuggets? I think so. I mean, we talked about a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. I mean, just advice for people. I don't know. if Give advice to people that are watching and listening. Well, it's like, you know, if you feel comfortable getting the vax, or the getting the jam, get it. If you're not comfortable, I mean, if you wait, then just be very smart. Eat your fruits and vegetables, vitamins, minerals, exercise every day, sweat. Do you think boost the, your immune system naturally? That's the biggest thing. Biggest thing. Do you think the unjammed people are to blame for this outbreak? I don't think so. I think, and this is another thing, going into the the people that are jammed, I feel have letting have let their guard down a lot, and they're like, "Hey, I'm I'm safe now," so they're like balls out at the club, whatever, doing their thing way more like at the, you know, they, they're out there. Well, let's say like, uh, what is it? Uh, Lollapalooza in Chicago just, happened. that's just the dumbest thing I ever saw. But it's like Lollo's happening and all these people are vaccinated, uh, you know, jammed jam- up. They're jammed. They're jamminated and, uh, they think they're fine, you know? And that was probably what happened in Massachusetts with that big out- outbreak. Everybody's, making out whatever they're doing and they're they're still gonna they're spreading it you know so i i think everybody's to blame you know and and we're back um we're back to things being wide open and things are going to seem to probably going to close down again i think masks work i think that we should be wearing them indoors if especially if you're symptomatic this is the other thing it's the other thing people that are have the jam and that were nurses People are coming to work thinking, oh, this is just allergies, you know, and it's like uh, you're sneezing and you've been coming to work for multiple days like this. Now you get tested and then you're positive and people are, are, you know, suspect, you know, they think that they're fine. Right. If I was and this is the thing, I'm I don't have it. Right. But if I were to have symptoms, I would stay home from work and I would get tested. You know, Mm -hmm. I think people are assuming since they have the jam, they can go and do whatever they they want 
and they assume nothing, none of the symptoms they're having are actually the disease. So there's a little bit of jam arrogance there. Yeah, I'd say so. Jam against. Seemingly, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's on both sides, though. There's also people that don't believe in COVID at all. Yeah, don't believe in the you know the, in the toast, toast the toast at all. So they're just like, hey, we're fine. Like I'm not, and then they come in with it, and they're like, we don't have it. It's like, yeah, you do. But you know, that's and that's what's happening in these. They're saying that's what's happening in Louisiana. A lot of these people are coming in, and they don't believe in it. I've had a guy actually. It was a guy that was confused. He say this is pretty funny, but he he was like. Uh, he ended up doing fine, but he had the toast and we had them all, you know, and we're coming, I'm coming in with a big helmet on my head going in the room. And he was like saying in Spanish, like you guys are trying to take my intestines. And I didn't know what he was saying. <laughs> <laughs> he did, he did. Yeah. He was like uh, something, uh, stealing my intestinos or something. <laughs> really? And I was like, no man, you're good. Like we're in here. And he was like, I don't know if he was just messing with me, but he was just like very convinced. Like, that's what you guys are doing. And it's like, no man. But like, imagine if you're confused, you're like, you know, a 70 year old dude. And I come in in a full helmet with a machine attached it, to my back. It looks psycho. With a, go- a gown and you're fully confused. Yeah. And I'm like sitting here listening to your lungs, drawing blood, pulling blood out of your, you know, it's like alien crazy. So wait, to go back to that, this Lollapalooza thing, which is going to be a huge Petri dish. You watch, that's jam on jam and you know a lot of people were lying about having it showed fake cards that's just true so you know whatever is going to happen there is going to happen and then you got the people so you're saying people think they're invincible and then they go out and then they get it yeah or they have like some (laughs) mild symptom and they're assuming it's not it and they just are arrogant about that yeah they're like oh no I'm fine but we're obviously it's like I mean we have many people that have it, the jam, and are still testing positive. So it's like, um, it's not a very, like a super small number, you know, it's not uncommon. So are those people spreading it to other people? I think is, it's obvious, like they have to be, you know, and the, the data they're saying that there, there's studies and articles that have said people that have the jam are less apt to transmit it. But like things like that happened in Massachusetts to me would prove that completely incorrect when there's an outbreak of 500 people and 75% of them are vaccinated. Like obviously they had to be transmitting it to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, last question. Yeah. Do you think the jam makes it more transmissible? No, I don't, I don't think it does. Um, but I think that it could, it like what I was just saying, people, that are more careless, seemingly. But don't they put the jam in your system when they do it? No. So, well, I don't know how far. I'm I'm not really great with explaining the vaccine, but basically it's a messenger RNA. It goes into the cell. It tells your cell that, you know, to make these COVID spike proteins that basically the spike proteins cause your body to create antibodies, which then, you know, you should be immune to the, to, but isn't the jam, it's not actually in there. It's not actually, it's the not in there, but the the, isn't virus. the thing is it's telling the, 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 the first alternative theory, which people will say conspiracy is that those SPs uh-huh. are making too much and sending yeah, some well, wild 
dude, I mean, this is the thing. Isn't um, that a is is that a fact? Have you ever actually seen that as a fact? Well, this is a kind of this is part of my decision making as well, and I just can't help to um, ignore it. We have a, a nurse on our unit that is. Uh, it's getting late, but we have a nurse on our unit that had gotten the the jam. The jam. She had gotten it. Um, she's been out of work for close to like five to six months now, I want to say. And basically this, um, she had... An was auto- she toasted up before? Well, she had received two shots. But before that, was she normal? She'd never gotten the toast. She was healthy. She was healthy. She was healthy, playing basketball with like collegiate level players, super athletic in her upper 30s. And basically... Jammed up. She got the jam and had an autoimmune flare up and I don't know the exact name of the disease, but basically, um, you know, she she's on medications now. She hasn't been back to work. They don't know when she's going to come back to work. Uh, she lost a bunch of weight and has taking some pretty nasty drugs to to help with this, you know. And um, that's somebody I know personally, you know. But why do you? Why did that happen? Who knows? Well, I mean, what is what, your theory? Well, she had something underlying, right? Like she had this autoimmune disorder. And she didn't know about. She didn't know about because she was probably exercising. She was healthy, eating decent, whatever it was. And she, it didn't come out yet, right? The thing is, you know, the vaccine had basically brought that about, right? This this autoimmune flare. It can waken the giant. It can waken a sleeping giant. But sometimes I wonder, you know, like with, you know, with her, for example, I'm like, would that have popped up, you know, in if 10 years, 20 years or never or never or 30 years? You know, it's like at what point, you know, or maybe it would have popped up next year or naturally. Who knows? But I, I think that's scary. You know, that that doesn't to me. Uh, so it's you're hard, it's saying the jam. You're scared of. Awakening something in you that you don't know how have that you don't know you have right now that's dormant and you're like you're living your life and you feel great. Yeah, I think it's I'm a little worried about that. You know, it's very rare, though, super rare. Right. So like this case is ultra rare. But what if you know, what if that's what we all wonder? It's like, but what is if it rare? Is it rare? Is it rare? It seems to be pretty rare. Is it rare? Yeah. Well, I is I it. OK, do you know the VAERS website? Yeah. Do you believe it? I, I mean, Seems to be okay. So, do you know the the, yeah. the Harvard study that's a super left liberal group that said that only reporting ten percent and ninety percent is being repressed? Have you heard that ninety percent of the reactions are yes, um, like they're not being reported exactly. They're being reported and they're not being allowed on that site. Um, have you heard that? I haven't heard that. Well, that's what I was told. And so out of 11,000 adverse deaths, the rumor is it's 110,000. So that would be one-fifth of all toast deaths. Yeah, I mean, I think, like I was saying with this, the data, right? It's like, are we reporting? Because nobody wants to admit that I just don't, I don't get it. Like nobody wants to admit or point blame at, at the jam at all. They, they don't want to even, if some, if, if it was a week later that this person died, it's like, well, you know, it was natural causes. It's like, well, maybe, well, you know why that is 
You don't know why? Why? Money. Multiple reasons, but the first one is because people don't want to admit they're wrong, but that's not a big enough answer. It's a good answer, though. The, I think it's true. But it, that's sad, but then they're getting this directive from their higher-up, who's getting it from the higher-up, who's getting it from the media, who's getting it from the government, and they're saying, this is what it is, and it's like, okay, and they're believing it. And the problem is, is that they don't want to really look at how really fucked up this whole thing could actually be. The fact that Jon Stewart, one of the most sensible people in the world, obviously one of the most hilarious, a titan in our community of comedy, goes on and says the stuff about the Wuhan lab and the fact that that people were losing their minds over that is insane. Like, there is the most sensible guy. He would be somebody that could go to Berkeley and speak. He could be well-received. Like, he also was a, 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 a wonderful guy. He, like, puts his mouth, money where his mouth is. He fights for 9-11 firefighters every year and goes to Congress and he's saying, uh, this could be a situation here. So besides people not wanting to be wrong, which is crazy, the bigger thing is they're being told somewhere at the higher up, don't question it, don't question it, don't question it. And that's what people have to go is, why can't we question this? Why? Things don't add up. And that's when you start, they start calling you names. Because they think you're a fucking conspiracy theorist. And you're not. You can start connecting these dots. It's so fucking easy. And well, you know it. And you're holding back. Well, the easiest thing is to just say, yeah, they're telling me like everything is Yeah, that's is the right. easiest that's thing. That's easy. But then you see all this stuff and you go, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. 38-year-old uh, female basketball player that's almost as good as most great collegiate players who's schooling them, very healthy, lives a healthy lifestyle, a colleague of yours hasn't been to work in six months. Post two jams. Well, what's the one thing that we that, that that changed in her life? There you go. And but if you is, say that you're a terrorist, yeah. Well, this is this is the thing. People will just you mention something like this, and every time. Dude, you should see that I can't even talk to people anymore because the moment that I say something like this, they're like immediately, that's so rare. That's so rare. Like I said, it is so rare because it is rare, right? It is technically rare, right? Because we're talking how many billions, how many people vaccinate? Insane amount. I think like half the world. Half the world, right? But what I'm saying I can mention one of these cases and they're just like, Oh, one person, just one person out of this many. And it's like, well, what it, yeah. What if you are that one person? What if that one person is your family? What if that one person, you know, I don't know. Like if you're getting the flu jam, which I don't really fuck. I don't fuck with that either. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean that one. So that one is 
definitely ineffective. Like we know those, you know, that's under 50% effective at preventing. Okay. So if you're getting that, you're not hearing of all these fucking, you may hear of a rare story, but you'd be like, if I got the flu jam, I don't think I'm going to fucking be laid up for six months or potentially fucking go. This one is some horror shit connected to it. It's well, it's it's a new type of vaccine that we have. It's also used. not approved. So, it's not approved yet. I'm curious when that when it gets approved, are you going to take it? Are you asking me my status, Chuck? When it gets approved, uh, are you? Would you be more uh, interested in it? How can I say this? <laughs> Faka Noah. <coughs> I just coughed. <laughs> Hell fucking no. Okay. Hey, I got an idea. Let's come out with something. Let's not have it approved. Let's say it's for emergency use, and let's not put all the reverse side effects on when you go to the card. You have to go look it up on the website. And then let's see all the re- uh, adverse side effects. And just remember, none of the companies that uh, created it, you can ever sue or responsible for it at any time. Are you ready? Yeah. I mean, I mean, the fact that you can't sue them, yeah. it's a little scary. And then, a little scary? Very, yeah. They just put those things out here. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. But no one looks at all that because well, they're fucking bad. <laughs> and I'm only going to say that because people are just being too aggressive now. They well, got sh- The problem is, and listen, man, it's going to be interesting. Listen, we got to wrap it up. Tell people fine. your socials. Social media at Chuck Myers underscore and my comedy page, Dose of Laughter SD. Yes. Thank you, man. Seriously, thank you so much. This, it, was, it was fun. Uh, it's cool to be in the studio, and uh, dude, yeah, thank man, you. Cool to be here. You were fucking you one of my fucking lifesavers during this thing. Appreciate you, dude. Appreciate all your knowledge. Thank you for Thanks coming. Thanks a lot, man. Bye, guys.